You're listening to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show with Dr. Jessica Peck on American Family Radio. Well, hello, 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 friends. If you've just tuned in, thank you for your patience as we had some technical difficulties and getting all of this up and running. I am so excited to be back again with you today. And today we are actually going to talk to my longtime friend, Stephanie Moses, who is the producer of my show. And I am really excited to share the God story that he has been writing to bring us together. I can tell you that Stephanie, we've been friends for 20 years, and she was there at my book launch last year. And I think if you had asked her, hey, in a year from now, do you think Jessica will have a radio show and you'll be producing it? She would have said, no, I don't see that in the cards, but that is what God has had for us. Now, I want to tell you one of the first times Stephanie and I, we have raised our kids together. We have two kids who just graduated from high school. And when our kids were little, I had two little girls and Stephanie had two little boys. And I thought I was a pretty good mom, if I'm going to be really honest. I, but what I didn't realize is that I wasn't so much a good mom as I was a girl mom. <laughs> I had not yet learned the art of being a boy mom. And so one day, Stephanie and I had taken our kids to the park, and I was watching her watch her youngest son, and he was climbing up the play apparatus and going down the fire pole, but not sliding down it, just basically jumping off that platform. And she had her back to him. And if I'm really honest, I was a little judgmental and thinking, uh, excuse me. And finally, I went over and said, Stephanie, don't you see this? And she said, I can't see this. That's why I have my back turned. And I didn't understand then, but I do understand now. And I am so, so, so glad to have Stephanie here. Stephanie, are, are you with us? Were you able to join? Do we have Stephanie on the line? Yes. Yay. Okay, good. Stephanie, welcome to the Dr. Nurse Mama show. Hey. It's good to well, be we, here. Finally, right? Exactly. Finally. Well, I would just love for you to share your story, just your testimony. How did you come to know the Lord and how did that lead into your call into ministry? Well, sure. And I'll, I'll try to be brief because I know we're running short on time. Um, but I grew up about an hour north of Beaumont, Texas. Nobody knows the actual town. Um, it was Woodville, <laughs> if anyone wanted to know. Um, and I was born um, probably about six months after my parents graduated from high school. And although I don't remember them ever being married, I don't ever remember a time that my grandparents from both my mom and my dad's side were not a part of my life. And in my younger years, they were spent not only with grandparents, but with aunts and uncles because we lived with them while my mom was going to school to pursue her teaching degree. The year that I started kindergarten, she started teaching, and we moved out into a home of our own. Well, soon after, my mom met and eventually married a fellow teacher who became my stepfather. And I still call him coach to this day because he was a coach. Well, when my mom remarried, we moved to a small town just north of Little Rock. And although that was pretty hard because I was away from my family that I'd always known from the constant presence of my grandparents and my extended family, it ultimately is a big part of my story. Because while living in Arkansas during the summer between second and third grade, 
I asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life at the close of VBS. And it wasn't really a fairy tale celebration about it because my mom was pretty concerned that there was some pressure to make that decision because of the emotions she saw. But I'm sure she would tell you to this day that that decision was real. And I know that it uh, took my life in a different direction. It was the day my life changed. So I'll fast forward a little bit to college. When I registered for my first semester of college, and it wasn't online, I actually had to walk from table to table to get each individual class. I actually showed up there at the registration to register to be a radio, television, and film major. And on that day, I decided, (laughs) no, I'm going to be a dance major because that's really what I had done. I had been teaching dance um, in my hometown since I was in eighth grade, and I really felt like that's what I should do. But you'll want to know this. In addition to the master's that I got at Liberty, the master's in Christian ministry, I do, in fact— hold a BFA in dance. Uh, But what those years in the dance department did for me was define who I was. I never quite fit in. You know, they didn't appreciate my choreography presentations about taxes. And uh, they didn't understand me because I went out to my car on my break to listen to Rush Limbaugh. So I never really fit in in that area. But uh, what I did learn is that the gift that I had been given was for teaching kids but it wasn't necessarily for choreography or for modern dance. But um, So as far as my call to ministry, um, you know, that, that came a lot from my teaching. Um, I actually didn't want to accept that call. Um, I, as you always say, but God, right? Um, I had right. a talk with someone at my church, uh, Brother Jim Wallace, and he uh told me, you know, that he could see this call in my life. And I told him, well, that's not the case because I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom. You know, I listened to Dr. Laura, too. So I knew my assignment. And uh, he really helped me with some encouraging words and just, you know, discerning that that was, in fact, a call in my life. And um, that's how I started in ministry. Um, I had a young child at the time. And you know, I think God made him not a stay-at-home kid because I was spending so much time trying to find things for him to do uh, because he didn't like being at home. So that was confirmation that it was okay that I uh, began to work. And as far as ministry, one of my greatest passions, I think, is still and always has been VBS because that's where I met Jesus. And um, I've always loved it, and I think that ministry is so worth it. Well, and I know that your ministry has blessed my four children because you ministered to all four of my kids all the way through the children's ministry, and we are definitely big VBS fans in this family for sure. And your family has been a big part of your ministry, too, your boys and your husband. So tell us about them and about Bud and Sissy, of course. Oh, yes. Well, Bud and Sissy are my dogs. They're Texas healers. Uh, which means they're part Blue Healer, part Australian Shepherd. And uh, what Jessica is referring to, what Dr. Peck is talking about, is that my dogs actually helped during quarantine ministry. Um, We have a dog that can tell jokes, sort of. Uh, But anyway, (laughs) they've been a part of the ministry. But yes, um, my husband and my boys, 
you know, they've been right there by my side as a part of the ministry. Uh, everything from volunteering to, you know, moving gaga pits uh, until late in the night by spotlight, they've done it all. Well, and you have experienced some things during your ministry, during your ministry term that have been really, really hard. And probably the first thing that you and I went through together uh, that happened that was hard in your life was losing your brother. Would you share that with us? Sure. You know, my brother, he was he was born when I was 14. Um, and of course, he was certainly my kid brother. I didn't always think of him um, as a grown-up because he was a little boy to me. But to others, especially when he served in Iraq, he was a literal lifesaver. Um, He achieved his goal of becoming a ranger at a young age, and he was uh, loved and respected by all who knew him. In February of 2010, he was about six months out, I mean, sorry, six weeks out from his scheduled deployment to Afghanistan, and he was struck and killed by a drunk driver near Fort Campbell. And he was Mm. about a week out from his 24th birthday at that time. You know, there's so many things that I remember about that day and the weeks following. One of them just being a feeling of, how do I deal with this? How do I tell my children that their uncle, who they looked up to, he was their hero. He was gone. I also remember when I was at home after getting home and just not knowing what to do. Uh, Kyle had picked up both of my boys, Kyle's my husband, from school, and um, who shows up at my door with a box of Popeye's chicken and a big hug? It was Dr. Pat. Do you remember that? <laughs> I <laughs> and do remember part that. Of doing life together, Popeye's and a hug. Um, <laughs> you know, in all, in all of that chaos, though, um, I was blessed to clearly remember a conversation that I had with Josh. That was my brother. Uh, before he left for boot camp, about the time he prayed with his Uncle Billy to ask Jesus to be the Lord of his life. And that conversation brings me peace because I know that I can grieve his loss, but grieve it with hope and know that I'll see him again one day. And in a few weeks, I'm excited that um, you'll get to interview a few people who were a part of his life when he was in the Army. I know. I cannot wait for that. I'm really excited. We're going to have a special military appreciation week and talk to military connected families. And I'll tell you, Stephanie, it really was such a blessing to watch your face during that time because it seems so wrong. Like how had we prayed for him and he got it kept him safe during the war. And then he comes home and just dies in this senseless, tragic way. It was really hard. But to see your faith and the way that, you know, it it was hurtful, it was painful, but that you could still find hope was was really beautiful. But then what we didn't know was that you had another trial, a big trial coming right after that, and that was Kyle's battle with cancer. Yes, yes. Cancer is a big part of our family story. Um, Kyle, too, was in the military. He was in the Army National Guard. And he was about a month out from deployment in 2012, and he had a terrible cough. I mean, it was one that would keep me up at night. But, you know, he was concerned about keeping all the guys up at night on deployment. So he went to the doctor, and he was treated for allergies. And it just didn't get better. So with some persistence, they did send him for a CT scan. And what they discovered was a golf ball-sized tumor 
uh, the tumor was between the lungs, and the doctors believed that it could be removed without incident, and it would be benign, and he would just deploy on light duty. And that was the plan. He was going. Well, surgery day was certainly a game changer because the surgeon came in and told us that it was, in fact, cancer. And there's so much I could share about all of this and that journey. I'll save some of it for another time. Uh, but the long of the short is it, of it is after 14 months that included two surgeries, five rounds of inpatient chemo, multiple rounds of outpatient chemo, two stem cell, uh, two stem cell transplants with high-dose chemo and radiation, he was able to ring the bell. And it was a journey. I know your husband spent time with him at the hospital, along with my aunt and uncle and several other close friends. We all have some pretty good stories, right, of the things that the medications <laughs> made him say. <laughs> and we, do. we can look back and laugh at those now. But in that time, we had to learn to fully trust God's plan. Um, there were days when I was preparing myself to be a widow. But God, isn't that what you like to say? But God. Kyle will tell you that as hard as it was, yeah, that he wouldn't change that he had cancer because it caused him to surrender and trust in his Savior. And our oldest son once told him that post-cancer dad was a lot better than pre-cancer dad. And I think those words describe what full dependence on the Lord can do for us as parents. Oh, Stephanie, I mean, I've lived this with you. I have seen this. I've talked to this, but it still brings tears to my eyes. And if you're listening out there, I can tell you that Stephanie's faith and her heart are so genuine. And Kyle was as near death as I have seen anyone. It was such a difficult experience. But again, but God, yes, that is my two favorite words in the history of ever. But God spared his life. And man, to hear what he said about post-cancer dad, that is just absolutely amazing. Well, Stephanie, how have those experiences strengthened your faith? I think just being able to look back and see how God is involved in all of the details, the smallest details, just learning to let go and trust Him. You know, there were times I had to let my boys get a ride home from school with people I didn't even know that well. And it was such a just letting God handle it because I couldn't. I could not control it. And um, just the amazing people that walk beside us, you know, brought us meals, um, helped get my boys to, to baseball games. Um, my youngest was an FFA. We were raising a goat at the time. That was crazy. Can you believe that? You know, we took on cancer and a goat at the same time. Um, but, but I mean, God, it's almost unbelievable. It. Yes, but you know, I think yeah. I don't know how people who don't have church family do it, Stephanie, because I think, you know, like it's Popeye's chicken or maybe feeding the goat or picking up your kid from school. And I really believe that we need to walk in community. And this is one of the reasons I feel so strongly about families being in church or connected with a body of believers who can walk alongside with them in those moments. Now, there are fun moments, too. You and I have been to camp together for 10 years in a row. You've done camp 
much longer than that. But I, you tricked me into coming, and maybe we'll have to tell that story later. But you did <laughs> trick me into coming, it and worked. it stuck. It and we had a lot of fun times on a golf cart late at night and, you know, just pulling pranks and scary walks in the woods and all of those fun things that come with camp. But we've also had some challenges together. And so I know over that, I've seen your ministry, I've seen your heart, and I know you've seen mine. And then even looking in the last year, we thought, okay, you know, you lost your brother, you fought with your husband through cancer, but then we had COVID, which was so hard for the church. And then we had the loss of another friend, a dear friend of ours from cancer. We had the loss of a friend on a tragic boating accident. We had the loss of both of my grandparents, who I know that you know and loved as well. And in the last year, we both transitioned into a different church family than we've had for more than two decades. And all of those things have been really, really hard. But we'll talk about the the hope. Podcasts of the Dr. Nurse Mama Show are available on the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to Dr. Jessica Peck on American Family Radio. Well, hey there, friends. If you joined us before the break, you heard me talking to my friend and new radio producer, Stephanie Moses. Now, we've been friends for more than 20 years, gone to church together. I have helped in the children's ministry. Obviously, I had four children. I feel like, Stephanie, it was kind of my life mission to make sure that your ministry was populated, you know, that you had children to serve. And all four of my children went through there. Yes. And this has been unexpected. You know, when I wrote my book, made a podcast, and just have had so much joy in reaching more families and sharing hope with them, sharing tools that I have professionally, but hope that I've gathered personally. And I'm so excited to have you be a part of that. And so, Stephanie, before the break, we had just shared about your story and talked about how this series of events had come up for us. And we just felt like in our friendship and in our personal circles, in our lives, we just had trial after trial after trial. Like it was just a very difficult season. And then all of a sudden, here this comes. So how do you look back now and see how God was working even then to prepare you for this moment? Well, as you mentioned, I I had a pretty long tenure in kids ministry. I, I was a kids pastor for over 20 years. Um, And God began to prepare the way for the new ministry. It wasn't one I was looking for. It wasn't one I was expecting. But I can describe it in one word, and that word would be queso. Um, Yes. I think you agree with me. So, you know, as I I mentioned, I've always been a talk radio listener, Um, and I was listening to talk radio as usual, and... um, I was listening to a local host uh, here that we we know has, I think his kids may even go to our kids' school. I, I'm not sure, but um, we uh, I was do. listening to him. Oh, they yes, and uh, yeah, I they were talking. He was talking about his producer and his relationship with his producer, and uh, you know they had a lot of fun together. But he he just didn't appreciate how he made world famous queso. And his producer kind of insulted it. And uh, I thought, you know, that's fun. How fun would that be to have a job like that, to be a producer? I even looked 
like it available producing jobs? Were there jobs available? And I dismissed it pretty quickly because that just not wasn't anything I was trained to do. Um, but God, right? Because uh, yes. just a few short days later on a Sunday morning at church, you'll probably remember <laughs> that you just you told me, I said, hey, I need to talk to you this week. I said, okay. And she goes, well, here's the long of the short of it. And you said, my podcast is moving to a daily radio show, and I'm going to need you to produce it. Um, That's exactly how I, it I went down. And sadly, uh, without queso in that yes. moment. So I did handle that I know. wrongly, and I'm sorry. I know. And I didn't even mention that story to you at the time because I was just in awe of, wow, God, could you be any more clear about what you need me to do? And, and you know, a lot of our great moments as friends have happened over queso. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but I was the first to know about your book because you took the call right before you were walking in to meet me at our favorite go-to Tex-Mex restaurant. I did. They know us. They know us there very well. And it is. I look back at that, Stephanie, and I just see how God has knit our hearts together. And for our listeners out here, I know we are just getting started in this show, and we are going to ask you to give us grace and space to grow and to figure out the best ways that we can serve you, that we can come alongside you, that we can encourage you and engage you and equip you and empower you to really be confident parents who raise kids who love God and who serve others. And it was really important for me. I told Stephanie, she said, oh, I'm going to be behind the scenes. And I said, no, I want everybody to know who is sitting in the chair behind this show, who is producing it and our heart behind it. And I want you to know that Stephanie has such a heart for children's ministry. And I've seen her minister to my own children and to literally thousands of other children over the last two decades. And we could tell you so many incredible stories about things that God has done to restore families, to redeem families, to really meet families in points of crisis and points of needs. And I'm really, really excited about that. So Stephanie, what do you see as our strengths complementing each other as a team so that we can serve our listeners? Well, I think that, first of all, we're different. Uh, we don't always agree on everything, uh, but, but I think our our strengths are just that we both have passion for kids and for families. And uh, you know, your your focus has been a lot on teenagers, and hopefully, what I can bring to the table is just um, you know, bringing some great people for you to interview uh, that that represent a wide age of parenting. Uh, from young children all the way to grandparents. You know, you and I personally know a lot of grandparents that are raising kids. And if they're not raising kids, they are very plugged into their lives. And, um, you know, I just hope that together we can bring hope to families and to just those who want to invest in the future, maybe teachers, uh, those aunts, uncles that love kids and and want to be a part of – just imparting a biblical worldview to the next generation. Well, Stephanie is going to be such a great partner for me because let me tell y'all, you might look and wonder, I've had people ask me this before, they wonder like, oh, does her house look perfect? Or, you know, does she just have everything under control? 
Um, Stephanie, uh, I'm going to have to have her sign an NDA because the answer is assuredly no. I am a hot mess on any given day because I am a pedal to the metal kind of girl and I really like to go far and go fast. And there's so much that I want to do. And she is going to be such a great partner in keeping me organized. I'll just give you a visual today. So she walks in today to my house and, um, y'all, this, I'm going to confess this right here, right now. And it may make some of you cancel me here right off the bat, but I'm just going to take a risk. Um, so my Christmas tree is up. I know, I know some of you just immediately probably went and turned off the radio, like thinking it's October, but give me a chance and let me explain. See, when my, uh, when my second daughter was very young, I shared this story in Behind Closed Doors, she had an immune deficiency and she could not go, uh, she could not go anywhere where we were going to a fall festival, actually at the church. And she could not go because she was sick. And she was just so distraught at home. She was crying, 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 crying. Well, parents, you you know, you hear me. When your, your kid, you see them and they've been through so much and you want to do something, I said, what can I do to make this better? And she said, let's put up the Christmas tree. I said, okay, it's done. We'll do it. So we did that and it kind of stuck. So now we do it in October. I know my son has already clearly informed me he's not going to do that. But Stephanie graciously came and sat in my pile of Christmas decorations today, helping me plan for October. So I'm very appreciative of that. You can see how we balance each other out. And our friendship love language is, in fact, queso. But Stephanie, I was before we leave in, in our last few minutes to talk about you know, really what's on both of our hearts and minds as we survey the cultural and political landscape that are facing families today. I've been in the trenches on the healthcare side. You've been in the trenches in the church side and meeting families at points of crisis and points of need. And so first of all, I want to ask you, what hope can you share from your experience and perspective in children's ministry? And where do you find hope? Well, I find hope in scripture and, um, you know, I've, I've, I just, I, I can't imagine not having that hope, not understanding God's word, and and I think a biblical worldview right now is more important than ever. Uh, you know, we need to help parents and help kids understand their faith and be able to defend it. Uh, we live in an era of cancel culture, and not. You know, history in an entire in its entirety is not necessarily being taught, and so we need to teach kids how to process that information. Um, you know, how to understand that that God is in control. I think that is such a hard thing to do because the world seems so out of control. And one of the things, of course, that everybody is talking about right now is the conflict, the war that is happening between Israel and Hamas. And it is just terrifying as parents to see the details that are coming uh, that are coming out. And you, uh, you actually wrote a blog. You have a blog called Children's Ministry in the Suburbs, and you wrote a little bit about it. Why don't you share what you wrote, and then I'll share some advice for parents that I have as well. Well, sure. It, it's, it's pretty simple. You know, I, I go back to defining moments in everyone's life, and I think anyone at my age, um, those younger and older, well, remember 9-11, and um, in the blog post I mentioned that. You know, the world literally 
came crashing down in front of our eyes. And, and what I look back on is what happened a few hours after that, and that was that people began to fill churches. They began to pray. And, and those are the things that, that we want kids to learn to look for, to look for the positive in an uncontrollable situation. You know, in that blog post that you mentioned, I shared that I was already on the schedule to, to speak at elementary chapel in the church that I was serving at the time. We had a school. And of all the days to be on the schedule, September the 12th of 2001, um, and I can remember looking across the gym bleachers at kids that just didn't know what to do. And, um, you know, what I, what I said that day rings true, and that is God's Word never fails. It's always true. And when we're afraid, we can trust in Him. It says that in Scripture, and I believe it. It is so true. And I think that, you know, in today's world, I said this yesterday on the show, one of the heartbeats that I have for families is not to be fear-based, but to be faith-informed and to get confidence from our faith and how that shapes our worldview. And so I think it's important for us to intentionally lead conversation. So often when things like this happen, I know it happens in my house, I'm sure it does in yours too, Stephanie, where you're just kind of talking over your kids' heads and you're talking to your spouse about what's happening or you have the news on, but you really think like, oh, they're not thinking about this, or you underestimate the level of their involvement. But the truth is, that the way that kids have a safety mechanism is to have a radar for every word, every tone, every emotion, every inflection that's going on in the house. And they are looking for cues that their safety is in jeopardy. And those cues can be, hey, mom's worried. Hey, dad's watching the news nonstop. Hey, they're, they're talking about this. And I remember one time when my husband and I were having a very heated discussion about politics, we agreed with each other. We were definitely on the same page, but my children well, perceived impressed. it as we were arguing. Yeah, they, we were arguing, but we weren't. And so I think that it's really important to intentionally talk about these things. So um, on my Instagram, and you've included this on your blog as well, this is one of the things we'll be giving you on the show. We'll be talking about these current events, and there are so many great shows on AFR that are talking about the political lens and the, uh, and, you know, the policy and everything that's going on. But we really are going to focus here on how do we translate that to a relationship because without relationship, you have no influence, and we really need to have influence. We want to influence our kids' worldview. To do that, we have to see the world that they see it and the way that they see it so that we can influence that. So I'm going to give four conversation keys that you can use to talk to your kids about Israel. Number one, ask them, how are you feeling about what's happening? What do you know? How, how does it make you feel? Just tell me, what is your perspective? Because it's, it's really interesting to see what kids pick up on. The second question is, how is this impacting you personally? And again, you may be really surprised to hear this. I use these same set of questions for a lot of different things that my kids may face. And uh, one of the things that I, I was talking to them about after a school shooting, when I got to this question, 
you know, how do you think this impacts you personally? They were worried it was going to happen at their school. And kids can be worried that this is going to happen to them, even something that's happened in Israel, just like Stephanie said, it's happened here in 9-11. But this next question, how can I help support you and make you feel safe? Now, my son, what he told me was, I saw some bulletproof backpacks on Amazon. Could I get one of those? I didn't even know that he had been thinking about that. And then the fourth step, what do you think you can do to be a positive influence and help others? Kids need to be empowered to give back. Now, that could be something as simple as praying for the people who are impacted by this terrible violence. That could be something as simple as orchestrating a a prayer campaign on social media or just having a kindness campaign of your own. Or it may be something more complex like organizing supplies or sending donations to people who are impacted by that. It's really important to involve them and let them feel empowered, not just that this is happening to them, but even if they're five, if they're 10, if they're they can impact the body of Christ. Well, that's a little flavor of what you will be hearing on the Dr. Nurse Mama Show. I'm so excited to have introduced you to Stephanie. We will see you later on this week. We have some great shows lined up for you. See you back here tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.